sun. <coughs> okay. Well, it's good to be here as ever. Um, <coughs> it's good to worship this morning. Good to be in God's presence and, and just blessed. I know Simon's shared that. And that was good. And it is good to worship and love Jesus like that. And, uh, but I wonder as, as you go about your life, were there things you really want God to do for you? And maybe he's not, they're not happening. Maybe you feel a bit disappointed this morning. Uh, maybe you want, if you, if you really, uh, I suppose, are spiritual. Maybe you really want to see what God's doing. You really want to, perhaps you want to know what God wants for you in the near future. And you really want to get a reality of God coming to you. If that's you this morning, I want to speak to you. Because I want to share something that God's put on my heart and uh, I trust you'll find it helpful. I want to talk about crying unto the Lord because I think that's where we've got to come to if we're going to really move on and see God as he wants us to. I, I suspect that Theresa May wishes that she called out on the name of the Lord and called the country to prayer even though she might have been laughed at. I bet she would have ended up with a majority rather than do what she felt politically was expedient and call a general election. I understand, having said that, that she has been taking pr private prayer sessions with the Archbishop of Canterbury since the election. I read that somewhere. I hope that's true. Uh, but that's what she needs to do. If only people would call on the name of the Lord. I wonder whether so many issues and problems would be, di be solved if only men and women would cry unto the name of the Lord because we recognise that we're living in the days when we can't believe what's in our media. I, uh, I think I've stopped watching the news at the moment because it's so sad. It's and it, people full of angry people. And I think that's what we're getting, this, at, this coming through, this attitude, we ought to be angry, we ought to be sad. And is that what God is this morning? Is God angry and sad? I hope he's not angry and sad with you. I'm sure he's not. But the point is, is that do we get our reality, if you like, from God? Or are we just getting it from our media, which is, is sowing a certain narrative into our lives if we're not careful? And I believe we need to come to that place where we see God more clearly. And we see what God's perspective is on, on the events and things going on in our lives. Because if we don't, we're just going to buy into what's out there. And it's fake, a lot of it. And we've got to stop believing the fake and start believing the truth if we're to be set free, as Scripture says. And I this morning want to look at a, at a story of a man who, who, who met with Jesus. And we find him in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. His name's Bartimaeus. And let me read you 
about Bartimaeus. It says, now they came to Jericho, verse 46, Mark 10. As he went, as Jesus went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Or perhaps I should have read that. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Master, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Bartimaeus was a blind beggar, had no social security system for those that were unfortunate in those days. He was totally dependent on what other people gave him to live by. He was reduced, we would say, to begging on the side of the road because he was blind and he didn't see. So it's an encouragement, isn't it? That maybe this morning we're thinking, I don't know what's going on in my life. I, I, I can't see anything. What, I can't make sense of it. What's happening? And yet, we read in the story a man that was like that. He was totally dependent on others. And yet, he found a measure of grace that was quite remarkable. Now, spiritually, we probably, well, we all start from a basis of being blind. Jesus said in in John's Gospel, chapter 3, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So it's a good place to start. We recognise that we all start blind to the things of God. So if you're blind this morning, if you don't know what's going on, well, fair enough, you're in good company. We all start off there. But the, the truth of the story is that, is that the man didn't stay blind. He didn't stay in his confusion. He saw things as they were. He saw Jesus as he was. And that's a wonderful thing. And what did we read that happened? What, what was the trigger for this remarkable turnaround? We read in verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. That's where we start. We start by crying out to God. Where if you're confused this morning, if you don't know what's going on, if you you, you say, I want a fresh revelation of God, amen. But the place it will start is when you start crying out to God. Have we lost that? God's convicting me that I've lost it a bit. That the simplicity, we've got to cry out to God. 
dear Steve said to me before the meeting, said, you know what we need here is a building, our own building. Well, what's the answer? Cry out to God. If that's what you want, if that's what you feel you need, cry out to God. What is it you think you need this morning? Cry out to God. So I don't know how on earth I'm going to get it. Well, that's all right, this man didn't understand a thing. He didn't, couldn't see anything. But God heard him. And God answered his prayer. Why? Because he cried unto God. Have we, have we lost that simplicity? That we're here, that our first response has got to be, Lord, help me. Lord, you're the answer. And we really didn't just cry. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It's very interesting he said, son of David. Because there's a story about Jesus, about David and blind people. And we read it in 2 Samuel and chapter 5. Let me just read it. David was on the rampage. He was uh, conquering uh, kingdoms after kingdom. He became the dominant king in the area. And it came to the point where he was to capture Jerusalem. But Jerusalem was very well defended it was a difficult place to get to. Uh, and it was controlled by the Jebusites. And we read this in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 6. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who spoke to David, saying, You shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will repel you, thinking David cannot come in here. He was so confident, this king of the Jebusites, that he had such a strong, that Jerusalem was so strong, that no way could David get in there. And in fact, it was so strong that even the lame and the blind people could defend it. That's how strong he thought this place called Jerusalem is. Remember, Jerusalem is still, to this day, the centre of Israel. And it all started upon this story. Okay, David saw it, and he obviously saw it strategically important. It's on a hill as being a centre for his government. And it says that, uh, <coughs> nevertheless, it says, verse 7, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. Now David said on that day, whoever climbs up by way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind, who are hated by David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Therefore they say, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. This is the amazing thing about Jesus, Jesus the son of David. David had despised the blind and the lame. Jesus healed them. And Jesus come to heal your blindness this morning. But you've got to believe that he is the answer to it. It is not in the world. It is not in the media. It is not in what you think. It is in Jesus. Because it was as, as David was the overcame the stronghold of Zion, the stronghold of Jerusalem. And it is Jesus that will overcome your blindness and your problem. And if you're saying this morning, well, I don't know what the answer is, I don't have any answer for me. The answer this morning is Jesus. Hallelujah. You've got to come to Jesus. You've got to believe that he has defeated the stronghold, the strong things in you. He can overcome them. But as you, it's only as you cry out to him Will it happen?
Do you believe that this morning? You want revelation, you want understanding, come to Jesus. He is the answer. He is the answer. Do we believe that this morning? Do we believe it? We tell people. Can we tell? Do we have a confidence to tell the people we're with day in, day out? The answer is Jesus when they come to us with their issues, their problems. It's not to, to go some big counselling course, though that might help, but essentially what is needed is Jesus at the centre. This is what I believe anyway. Because that's what I see. This man, Bartimaeus, he's blind, he's begging, he's hopeless. But he sees that the answer is Jesus, the son of David. The overcomer of the stronghold. Blindness can be a stronghold in us. Do we see that? Um, <clears throat> and then he goes on to say, have mercy on me. Now, it's not our right for God to come and meet us. We've got to see that. It is not your right this morning. Certain people talk as if it's my right. You know, God's got to do this for me. He hasn't got to do it for you. He does it for you because he loves you, because he wants to minister his grace to you. And it says this in Psalm 130. It says, Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Out of the depths. This man Bartimaeus was crying out of his depths to God, to, to Jesus. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, that you may be feared. <clears throat> I wonder if we think, we're thinking this morning, well, God couldn't meet me because I've done this. God couldn't meet me because I've grown up in that environment. Or I have this sort, this sort of relationship. Let me tell you, God... It is not dependent. The fact that Jesus can bring light and revelation and answers to you is not because of what you're, how good you are. It's not. It's not dependent on how good you are. It's dependent whether you're better come like Bartimaeus and cry out when you've got nothing and put all your trust in him. Lord, if, if you marked out transgressions, who could stand? We sang, used to sing that song in a song but that's the truth it's true for every one of us you say well I've had a I, I, you know I, I, I'm not not been very good well fine well none of us have been very good but we all have to come this way to Jesus and we've got to stop making excuses and saying well I can't do it because of this yes you can you come to Jesus and you get revelation you can get answers but you've got to realise he doesn't answer you because you're good because it's your right to have it because you've sort of been a good girl this week but because Jesus is the answer and it's his grace to you this morning that he will answer your prayer and he will give you revelation and he will give you answers and he will give you deliverance from the strong things in your life that you can't beat it's because he decides to do it because he loves you so let's not stand on our own righteousness, but on God's power this morning when we cry. So let's get back to Bartimaeus. 
He's crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And it says, then many warned him to be quiet. Do you hear voices? I don't mean literally, maybe, but you hear things, what people are going to say. You think, what, what people are going to say if I just put my trust in Jesus? What are they going to say? They're going to say, oh, you can't do that. You're naive. You've got to believe in the latest research from the, from the Institute of So-and-so, which says this and this and this is true. Well, they're all rubbish. We've got to believe what Jesus tells us, not what the Institute of So-and-so says. Not what our, our parents have told us, maybe. Maybe that's up the wall. It might be useful. But we can't rely on it. We can't rely on what our peers are saying to us. Because they might be up the wall too. And they might say, well, don't, put, don't be so silly as put your trust in Jesus. But we're to be a people. But this man, Bartimaeus, he understood that Jesus was his answer, his only answer. He wasn't prepared to be quiet. It says that he cried all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. He cried all the more. Is that where you're at? When people try to discourage you from following Jesus and putting him as your central <coughs> priority in your life, do you, do you say, no, I'm going to keep crying to him even more. I'm going to keep trusting him even more. Or do we listen to those voices? Maybe those voices come from within us. They say, oh, you, you know, Jesus is a bit of a disappointment, really. He's let me down. You've got to give those thoughts to him. You say, Lord, you seem to let me down then. And there are times when we get disappointed, what God doesn't do. Let's be honest. But do we give those thoughts to God and do we continue to cry out and to pray even though there seem to be negative things going on. And then we read, so Jesus stood still. This man made Jesus stop in his tracks. Isn't that wonderful? That you can make God stop in his tracks. Because of your cries, because of your insistence that he is your answer, He made, he made Jesus stop in his tracks. And then it seems that there's a time of waiting. What's going to happen? Is he going to turn around to him and say, how dare you keep crying out to me? Just get back with all the others. He might have thought, he might have said that to him. And it seems to me, if we read on, going back to Psalm 130, this is what it goes on to say. After it said, out of depths I've cried, etc., Verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. You may cry out to God and then you may have to go through a period of waiting for God to answer. And then you may have to go through a time when you have to listen to what God has to say to you. I, since I was last with you, I think I've gone through a bit of a period of self-examination. I think I've gone through a time when God seems to have been revealing things about myself to me. 
or, or, or slight changes of direction that I've had to go in. Things that I hadn't realised. I can think of at least three things that God's revealed. And I know they've come out of a time of intense crying out to God, knowing something's not quite right, and crying out to God, crying out to God. And then at the end of it, you sort of seem to cry out to God, and then there's sort of a period of quiet. And then it seems the word of God comes. I can't tell you how it comes. It comes. And there's a revelation. There's something clicks. I think that's it. That's why I'm feeling so, so stressed. And we've got to be people that, that, that listen to what God's got to say. Not just crying out blindly and saying, Oh Lord, help me, Lord, help me. But I'm not going to listen to what I'm going to say. So many people, they may want counsel, but are they prepared to do what, what the counsel says? Do you listen to what God's telling you this morning? Or are you just blind and saying, Oh, I'm blind, oh, I can't help it. I, Lord, help me, help me. But when God speaks the word, you say, oh no, not that. God may say to you, well, go and say sorry to so-and-so. Oh no, I couldn't do that. Oh Lord, help me, help me. That's what people are like, I know. I know, we're all like it. Times when God just wants to get us to do some simple thing. And we're, we're saying, but life seems so confusing, it seems so out of control. And we won't just do the simple thing God said. Are we prepared to listen to the counsel of the Lord? In our crying out. This is what Proverbs says. <clears throat> I bookmarked all the other ones, but not this one. It says, verse 28, chapter 1, Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. Is that God? you struggling to get an answer from God? This is what it says. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despised my every rebuke. Are you like that this morning? Are you prepared to listen to the rebuke of God in your crying out? Or do you think, no, how, you know, I'm okay, I'm all right. You know, the, the, the most difficult people to be blind are the people that don't realise they're blind. I think they see. And the way we, we come to that place is where the, the word of God is revealed to our hearts and we listen to it and we do it. And I can tell you at least three things that God's spoken to me over the last couple of months that have been revelatory to me. But they've come out this time of crying out to God, crying out, Lord, Lord, please help me. We've got to listen to what God says. There's a, a mood about that says the word of God isn't important. It is. This book is crucial. You've got to get hold of it. You've got to eat it. You've got to imbibe it because this is one of the foundations of your life, your faith. I believe there are two foundations. There's the, the, the Bible and there's the Spirit of God working in your life. They're the two cornerstones that we're to build our Christian life upon. If we don't believe this book, we're going to be pretty, pretty weak. If we don't listen to the Spirit of God, we're going to be pretty weak. <clears throat> anyway, getting back to Bartimaeus. Dear old Bartimaeus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Now maybe the word of God to you this morning is, 
Jesus is saying to you, what do you want me to do for you? You know, you say you're, you're confused, you say you want something. Well, what is it you want me to do for you? God loves men, that, women that know what they want. You love your children. You love them to know. You love them to, uh, <coughs> to know what they want for Christmas. You hate it when they give you one thing one day and then two days later they want something else. <laughs> you think, what do I buy them? I don't know. And I think God's like that with us. God wants you to know what you want. And say to him, Lord, we want this. You want something in your life? Well, you know, seek him and say, Lord, this is what I want. Now, I'm not saying, if, if I said that to you, you might say, well, I want to win the lottery. But I'd say to you, well, why do you want to win the lottery? The Bible says that you, you ask and you do not have because you, you seek to spend it on your own lust. And I'm sure most of the people that want to win the lottery want to spend it on their own pleasures. But if, if, if you're short of something, why don't you ask God for it? If you're short of some money, ask God for it. You say, well, I'm quite enough money for a holiday. Well, ask the Lord for it. Believe him. He wants to give you that which is reasonable, that which is helpful to you, not that which will corrupt you. And we've got to believe that our God loves us enough to answer our prayers. Do we believe it this morning? It says, it says in James, it says, for let, uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it were given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Is there something you want from God this morning? Is there something that, you, a revelation maybe, an understanding of a situation? You say, Lord, what do I need to know? What do I need to do in this situation maybe? Well, let me encourage you. You can ask, you can cry out to God and he will answer. That's the truth. That's what Bartimaeus, it doesn't matter that you're blind. In fact, it's good that you're blind because then you can see the grace of God at work in you this morning. What is it you want God to do? Have you stopped crying unto him? Have you stopped believing that that is the answer to going on with God? That we need to cry unto him. Oh, well... I, I, I feel a bit grown up now. I, I, I think I'm, I've grown out of the crying stage to God. I don't think Jesus had. We read on the night that he went to the cross, he was crying out to God. We'd, to the point where he'd, the blood vessels in his, temp, in his, in his forehead were, were bursting. It was so intense. But he was crying out to God. If Jesus had to do it on the night that he went to the cross, I'm sure we have to in our, in our little ordinary lives. But have we lost that sense? Have we lost the momentum? Have we lost the, just the simplicity of it, really? That we're called to cry out to God for those things that God, that we, we feel God, well, we want God to do for us. 
Now I just want to take this on a little, uh, another step. Because it may be this morning you're sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, well, you know what? My life's pretty sorted. I'm pretty okay. don't really need much going on. I, you know, I'm happy and, you know, life's comfortable and I'm ticking on all right. Maybe that's what you're thinking. And, you know, I haven't had to really cry to God for, for stuff. Maybe in the past I did, but now I don't. I'd like to... Uh, I was... Uh, for some unknown reason, although perhaps this was the reason, uh, an advert came up on my Facebook page. And it was, for a, it was advertising a reruns of a particular television program. And when I saw it, I, I thought, wow, I remember that program. It was a program that was put on in about 1970 to 72. It ran. So most of you wouldn't know, know anything about it. It was called A Family at War. Does anyone here remember A Family at War? I believe I, I looked it up, you know, I looked up about it because I remember it as a 16, 17 year old. I think 25 million people watched it. It was a very poignant uh, drama. It was, it, today it would come over a little bit as a soap opera. But the basic premise was that there was a lower middle class family in Liverpool, three sons, two daughters, who uh, were aged, I don't know, late teens into their, to about 30. And it spanned the years between 1938 and 1945. So it was very, very poignant as to um, what it was about. It was about how a family coped with all the emotional, uh, everything that went on with sons going to war and all the emotional pressure of wartime, living in wartime Britain. And for some reason, I as a 16-year-old can remember scenes from that program. It wasn't, it wasn't graphic or anything like programs may have been today, but it was emotionally very harrowing. And I, I even looked it up online. I went and looked and I looked at all the episodes. And I thought, I remember that. I can't remember what I watched last week. I remember something I watched 45 years ago. Because, and the reason was, is because living under war, in a sense, in a time of war, was, is, is quite harrowing, quite different to living in peacetime. I mean, you had all the other stuff going on in the program as well, you know, illicit relationships and that. I can't remember much about that. But I can remember what happened to the sons fighting in the war and the effect on the family. And I want to say this morning that we are a family at war. Not at war with ourselves, but we're in a warfare. And, and you realise that warfare has a tremendous uh, effect upon us. If we think we're comfortable this morning, the truth is we're in a spiritual warfare. We, work, we have a couple's evening on a Friday night every other week down in Worthing. And uh, one of the ladies wanted us to talk about authority. So that's what we discussed this week. And part of her reason is she's a teacher. And, this, and she was confronted. She, I think she teaches humanities, doesn't she? And she, was she had an RE lesson. And she was confronted with a child and she was saying, going through certain people and saying, what do you think 
of this per famous person. They said, Mother Teresa, oh yeah, she was good. She laid down her life for the cause. This is what was said. And then it came to Jesus. What about Jesus? They said, oh no, Jesus wasn't a good person because when he cast out the demons, they went into the pigs and he killed all the pigs. That's the level of ignorance that there is where, Je where, where Jesus is not, he's a bad guy. We're in a warfare. Are we going to sit around and wait for the devil just to come and take away our children? Going to take away our churches? Going to take away our liberty? Is that what we're going to do? Or are we going to sit and cry to God? Sorry, I feel excited about it. God has spoken to me about it. I haven't been crying to God for people around me that don't know him. Are we giving up with them? Have we said, oh no, no, it's all right. my life's okay, I'm getting on okay. Or are we prepared to say to God, Lord, help them. Lord, please save them. And do we see our answer to cry out to God? Or do we think, oh no, I just enjoy my life. Sitting sunbathed in the lovely sun. Because you see, we're called. We're in a war. We're a family. Yes, we're a family. The church is a family. But we're a family at war. And it's emotionally harrowing at times. Do we believe that? Or do we think, actually... I'm okay, thank you very much. What's our answer this morning? This is what Ephesians says. It says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Do you pray with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit? That's your warfare, to pray, to pray, to pray, to seek God, to seek God, to seek God, until maybe in our little area, we're not perhaps going to affect the whole country. Perhaps we will. But at least in our area, we see people being snatched from the devil's grass. We see that that is clearly ungodly, being pushed back and rebuked. We sit, we, because, and where does it come from? It comes from a cry of the heart. You say, I don't know what to do. No, you don't, but you just cry. You're blind, maybe. Do we believe that we've, we've got to cry to God for the people around us, for our friends, for our neighbours, for our, our work colleagues? What hope have they got? If we think we're just, everything's nice and peaceful and we've just got to worry about our own little lives, I should imagine they'll just keep going further and further away from God. It'll only be as we cry out, the church, cry out to God, that we'll see change. Cry out to God, coming from the depths, out of my depths I cry to you, says the psalmist we read. Out of the depths, is, are you prepared to cry from your depths or do you think the answer is in some <coughs> political solution? I think man can even mess up if he just relies on his own political solutions. We've seen that recently. And not one side is better than the other. But we're not to be men and women that have political solutions. We're to be people that have 
Godly solutions. Jesus solutions. Do we believe in Jesus? Do we really believe in Jesus? That he's the victor. That he can overcome the strongholds. So there's a stronghold in that person. We'll pray. There's a real blindness in that person. We'll pray for them. Don't moan about them. Pray for them. Pray and pray and pray until something happens. Push. Pray until something happens. That's where things happen. Where people get it in their hearts and do not let up until God's done it. That's when real change happens. That's when people's lives are really affected. When we are prepared to pray and pray and pray. And we don't listen to what the world's telling us and believe the lies of the world. And we believe the truth of this book and what it says. And when it says you're to cry unto the Lord, you cry unto the Lord. And you don't pack it in because people say, oh, what are you doing that for? No, come and, come and do this. This will really help people. Cry unto the Lord. That's what's really going to help people when Jesus impacts them. Because we see here the blind man was healed. Blindness. Who ever heard of a blind man being healed? Without, without, was it opticians? Not opticians, but was it ophthalmic surgeons or whatever? Have you stopped believing that you need to cry unto the Lord? We're going to stop there. You've just got to cry. It's not, not rocket science. You've just got to pray. You've just got to pour your heart out to God. That's the answer. It's not in your clever plans and situations. It is in you getting down before God and crying and crying and maybe you've got to be there for hours or days or weeks or months but you keep crying and keep listening to the voice keep what's the spirit saying that's what it means to pray in the spirit it means listening not just saying Lord do this Amen it's about Lord do this but Lord what are you saying about it what are you saying about that person I work with maybe I need to go and buy him a bunch of flowers Maybe I need to, to have them round. Maybe I need to just show them I stand with them in their situation. God, the Spirit will teach you. The Spirit will lead you to what is right. Do we believe that this morning? So it's not just praying. It's praying and listening. Praying and listening, crying out to God with all your heart and then prepared for God to say to you, that's the answer, do it. Simple, really. Simple. But we forget it. I've forgotten it. God's had to remind me this week that I need to get back to really laying hold of God for certain situations. Certain people. Amen. Let's pray.